Hello and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast, discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, it's an IATA AGM bonus. Yes, every year, airline CEOs from around the world gather for the annual general meeting of IATA, the Airline Trade Association. And there, they talk through the major issues impacting airlines. This year's AGM took place at the start of June in Seoul, with the max grounding, environment and diversity all high on the agenda. My name's Graham Dunn, and joining me to talk through all this and more is my airline business colleague, Lewis Harper. Hi, Graham. I'm not feeling bitter at all about the fact I wasn't actually in Seoul for the uh, the AGM, but I was sort of keeping an eye on things back at base. You, um, you did get the less glamorous end of yeah, that shift, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, they always uh, leave the uh, the best performers behind, don't they, <laughs> yeah, to, to keep an eye on things. That's that's how I'm interpreting it anyway. But, but no, um, so at the AGM, some, some interesting stuff out of it. As you mentioned, the... Um, the profits thing was interesting, isn't it? Because they, 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 they revised down the profits for the year. It's still quite high, but that that was unusual. Yeah, unusual to see them. It, yeah, absolutely. Revise it, it down that much. Uh, so, IATA, which makes a, uh, a kind of industry profit for how much airlines are going to make um, twice a year, um, and it did its last one in uh, December, and it foresaw profits at about thirty-five billion. Mm. Uh, so that was going to be slightly higher than the previous year. Still not quite a record level, but this is you know, unusually uh, profitable times for airlines. And they've reduced it by about a fifth, so 28 billion, mm. which again is still, you know, a good profit historically, especially for what was for many years, a, a, you know, a completely loss-making industry. Mm. But, you know, certainly over the last four or five years is an industry that has been collectively making, you know, more than 30 billion a year, 35 billion. So this does mark a, a downturn, I guess. Yeah. Or, no, not a downturn's too harsh, but you know, a slight, yeah. slight concern for airlines. Yeah, because we've seen in even in these kind of yeah, historically quite strong periods, we've seen airlines falling over at the fringes, and these obviously these industry-wide figures tend to, um, you know, be disproportionately influenced by you know the big U.S. carriers, for example. And but but what what exactly are they they saying is this caused this kind of so it's um, lowering of expectations for the so year. It's, it's unsurprisingly, it's, it is cost and uh, revenues, and, and on the cost side, hmm. you know, costs are, uh, are sort of creeping up. And aware of the differences from six months ago is that fuel prices are higher. They see them being higher. Hmm. Um, I think initially they were hopeful that the barrel price of crude oil would come in at an average of about sixty-five dollars. That's what the they, they base their initial forecast on. They're now seeing it likely to be about 70 uh, which is roughly the same as it ended up in um, 2018 the reduction in pressure on airlines from a cost side which they thought might come through um, on fuel hasn't come through mm. and that's coincided with uh, with an altogether harder revenue environment and a lot of that's through the trade picture mm. So, yeah, IATA's figures for the year so, so far in terms of freight carried have, have shown kind of a flattening off of, of, of the growth um, and that they say is kind of driven quite a lot by increasingly protectionist moves by the most high-profile example, of course, being the, the Trump administration and its fights with with China over, over trade. So, so that, that again, that's playing into that, that, that kind of um, concern that, that, yeah, the revenue outlook isn't, isn't too great, particularly yeah, for dedicated cargo carriers and for for carriers that obviously rely on um, revenues from carrying cargo in the, the belly of the aircraft so um, 
so yeah, that that's um, a concern as well. But it, but interestingly, it's it's slightly decoupled from from the passenger side of the business, and mm. you know historically a downturn in, in cargo would send uh, alarm bells ringing, um, and passenger demand is still the passenger side of the business is still quite strong. Mm. So it, it, it has relented a little bit. I mean, there's, ITA is projecting passenger growth, passenger traffic growth, I should say, of 5%. Mm. Now, that's still pretty steady. It is it is on the low, low side of what we've seen over the last decade, mm. but, it, you know, it is holding up. But, but yeah. obviously that is adding a pressure um, for airlines if they are, you know, looking to, towards extra business mm. to help offset the costs. Yeah, we've obviously seen a, a number of airlines struggling a bit with the, the, the outlook for the rest of the year and to, because of that you, know, you talk about fair pressure while, while traffic is, is continuing to grow fairly reasonably we've, you know, the, the, the problem some airlines are finding is that they just can't almost can't give away the seat so um so yeah that that's obviously having an impact as well and you still see you know it's a very uh kind of mixed industry with some very profitable carriers very large carriers mm. admittedly so uh, you know for their margins maybe aren't uh, on that strong but they um you know they're they're generating quite you know a lot of the profits are generated by you know um a relatively small level of, of carriers or a, a nucleus of carriers and then you have a, a you know a number of carriers which are still struggling to make um strong profits mm. so the, so the 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 financial environment is uh, a bit troubling and then the environment <laughs> itself yes um yeah. uh, that that remains so that was a big issue at at the agm but it, it's become a really big issue um i mean it's always been there but mm. it seems to have be back on the agenda, I guess. I, I think so, yeah, and I think it's becoming increasingly apparent that you know airlines um, have maybe had it relatively easy on that that side of things um, in terms of their own PR, how they're selling themselves to the kind of wider society. And I think what's happening is, particularly as the the younger generation now coming up, are, are much more conscious potentially of the uh, the environment generally and the impact things have on on the environment and. Uh, and that obviously increases pressure, I think, just generally on on airlines to show that they're doing more. Um, I also think the more that, um, you know, kind of countries, individual countries and the world as a whole moves away, maybe from you know, coal-based power stations, for example, that emit um, very high um, levels of, of carbon dioxide, um, airlines at the same time are kind of seeing their overall emissions going up year after year for everything they do to try and counter that so improve technology schemes like Corsia um, that ultimately the overall level of emissions are going up while in other areas they're not necessarily doing that so there's kind of on, on both levels really you've got airlines facing that 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 pressure that social pressure from from I think particularly the younger generation and also that just pressure in the cold hard numbers that show that um, that perhaps you know ultimately for you, you can tell people well this aircraft is 20% more fuel efficient um, than, than, than an older model. But ultimately, if, if the amount of aircraft you're taking means your capacity and therefore your traffic is, is higher and that means emissions are overall higher, I think there's, there's an increasing recognition, I think, IATA and individual airlines that it's not going to be enough. But, yeah. I think that was definitely, you know, and that was one of the messages that was uh, the, the, at the AGM, they passed a resolution kind of re reaffirming not just a commitment to Corsair, but their longer term 
commitments that the industry made, and they're, they're very um, ambitious. You know, they're, mm. um, by 2050, to aiming to have uh, to have cut uh, net net emissions at the 2005 level by half. half yeah. You know, so it, you know they are aware. I mean, the sort of phrase you you hear them a lot is, you know, earning a license to grow. Yes, um, and you know they are aware that. As fast as they are, as you know, as far as the industry has moved, and it has, you know, it has taken a lead on, um, in many ways, on this over the last ten years. Mm. It it has it it has to continue. It can't take its its um, very um, much. So yeah, and then, of course, everyone's conscious that Corsia, the the ICAO scheme, is is about offsetting growth. So again, that it's part of an answer. It's impressive that the that the industry has reached a kind of. Um, agreement on that but but that that is very much and and most you know airline ceos will acknowledge that that is only part of the answer because it is only offsetting growth so um yeah it is it, it's, it's it's not a reduction even though actually the r i think in course here stands for reduction it, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't actually have a an element of it that's about reduction so and uh and sustainable fuels is is thing we saw a mm. klm announcement on the eve of um of the AGM uh, for a long-term uh, procurement deal. I just want to see more of this going on. Uh, it hopes to find a way to industrialise, um, you know, to really uh, reach a tipping point so that uh, sustainable fuel becomes a bigger part of the answer. Yeah, and, and it can be, I think, if it's done the right way. I think that the problem with biofuels is that um, they aren't a silver bullet. There's, uh, for, for as many people would argue that, that they are better for the environment, there's as a counter argument that in order to produce biofuels for example the the, the land usage um, itself can create um, carbon um, release carbon into the atmosphere it means the you know taking a lot of land for that industrial use that could otherwise be used for um, for food production for example so um, biofuels can form part of the answer if it's done correctly but my view is um, that ultimately the um, the the emission story needs to you know, sooner rather later be one where the, they're falling overall and, and that can be very clearly demonstrated and you know, it could you know, realistically reach that point. I don't think uh, my artist's goal around the uh, 2050 target is, is, in, in, is, is necessarily um, excessively ambitious but, but I think it, the, the pressure's only going to get bigger for airlines and IATA to ultimately to, to show that... Um, more is being done and and if there was pressure on environment there remains pressure on diversity mm. um that was a big issue at the um big topic at the agm last year um and um and in particular uh at, at the higher echelons of airlines in terms of uh, airline airline leaders mm. every every year there's a um a board of governors uh photo taken um uh, where all the, all the airline chiefs um, meet, there were um, there was only one uh, female on the in in that picture last year. There were two two on the board. One wasn't at the event. Mm. Uh, there are only two um, females in that lineup again. The same two. Um, yeah, so it's we're um, obviously uh, one of the things uh, regular features we do in airline business is to do a survey of. Um, of the sort of C-suite, uh, the top 100 airlines, to have a look at at the the male-female mix in in six of the kind of most senior roles, and I've I've started doing that. And it'll be published in the July August August July August issue of um, 
of airline business the the next one so um any early clues the early clues are they're not great but um again i think that the, the, we're probably looking at depending whether you count um the fact that south african airways has, has just announced that their um acting ceo is who is a woman um zooks Ramasia, i think <laughs> apologies sure if they're awesome. yeah i'm sure that's possible awesome. uh but yeah we're, we're probably looking at a slight increase in the in the number of female ceos but you're still looking at you know kind of from two to four so it's hard because it's um, such a small number yeah. any change yeah it can seem has... significant which in a way is is an advantage because um, you 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 know there's so much room for improvement that, that that you know even the smallest change can can make a big difference so since since the last agm we've seen um the last iata agm we've seen um Anne regal um appointed as ceo of air france which was good news for that cause um interesting thing about of course the iata agm is christine Humier had a quite a high profile mm. role on the diversity front um but that came just you know days after it been announced she was leaving um, fly B and, and I don't think there's any indications whether she'll, she'll stay in the industry but um, and of course Fly B aren't um, are quite a, a small airline in the grand scheme of things so they're members of IATA but they, they wouldn't feature in our top 100 airlines list for example so um, so her inclusion in the photo the board photo last year was, was great but um, it did it I think um, the fact that they had to look so low down the list of airlines to find a female CEO said quite a lot as well um so but anyway I, i'm working as i say as you said i'm working on the the survey now and um there's some small upticks in maybe the number of female cfos across the top 100 airlines i think i've seen so far so got joanne uh, garrity at um uh, coming at JetBlue. JetBlue, yeah she shares i think the president and chief operating officer role so um and i think she's very much seen as the as the, the kind of obvious choice when if robin hayes ever moves on so um and that would be a big deal if if one of the you know larger u.s carriers ended up with a, a female ceo i think yeah we, it'd be great to see something like that happen sooner rather than later and i don't <laughs> nothing against robin hayes by the <laughs> way but just as a, as a concept seeing a, a, a woman leading um an airline that of that size but i, I think the um the the issue is obviously we look at the c-suite when we do our airline business survey um the, the obvious point is that to get women up to, to that those kind of levels in the business it, it helps a lot if you've got um uh, you know a, a decent number coming into the business as well in in the more particularly and able to move up to the more senior roles you know and on a, on a very basic level when you look at airlines it's still very much the case that most cabin crew tend to be women most pilots tend to be men and a lot of airlines are obviously trying to address that but but there are a fair number of ceos but airlines who used to be pilots probably not as many who were mm. were cabin crew um if any so um that that kind of um yeah, well we, we look at the very top level i think the real difference will be made um, yeah it's going to take a it's it's going to take, take time it's yeah. going to take a long time there's no question of that we'll have much more on diversity in one of the upcoming podcasts where we talk in in more detail about the that survey um but now after the break we'll be talking about the return of the max If you're enjoying the Airline Business Podcast, get new episodes automatically sent to your phone by subscribing for your podcast platform of choice. So joining me for uh, the second part, we have uh, Max Kingsley-Jones here. Max, you were with me um, in Seoul for the IATA AGM, and one of the topics that absolutely dominated was the MAX and the grounding of the MAX, and uh, we've got you in not just... (laughs) 
not just because your name is Max, but because it's something you uh, you uh, followed and know closely. On, on the one hand, it's not really an IATA issue, is this? Because this is uh, with the manufacturer and with the regulator, isn't it? Absolutely, but of course, it's affecting quite a lot of IATA members, and IATA is the is the go-to organisation really for the for the airlines to try and speak with one voice. They're very concerned about the uh, the effect that uh, it's having on their business and obviously on the f- the future for the return of the aircraft and how they'll manage the um, the PR around that and make sure that they all they all work together and pull together to you know as one unit united unit. It is. I mean, you you do you have sort of two those different levels, don't you? Because the grounding itself was was unusual, wasn't it? Because of this kind of gradual phased approach to it. Yes, and that certainly upsets IATA and and its members because. We had this weird scenario where, as everyone knows who's been following the story, the the lead authority, the FAA, the, the authority that deemed the aircraft safe to operate in the first place for, for the world, was the one authority that um, st- stood firm and not grounding not grounded the aircraft um and iata actually feel from the way that the the serial grounding across the world sweeping across from asia and uh, obviously ethiopia where the accident the second accident happened finally with the faa pulling the certificate about three or four days after the accident um has raised serious questions i mean the actual line from the uh, director general uh, alexander de juniac during the iata agm was to say that trust in the certif- certification system has been damaged among regulators between regulators and the industry and with the flying public so it's quite serious um, the, the damage that's been done it is and, and i suppose you know i after almost in everything it, it's trying to do it tries to avoid this patchwork of individual policies strategies and so forth on the certification front this is you know this idea of reciprocal uh, certification i mean that's that's how the safety system works yes it has to work that way because the uh, there isn't enough manpower in the world for each authority to do its own independent validation of aircraft well that was the scenario post or prior to the max accident what's going to happen now is anyone's guess um what the iata um, airlines and I, led by IATA and Dejuniac are advocating is that everything is harmonised. Um, the reality is it's not going to be harmonised because of the damage done by the um, not just the delayed grounding, but then what's come out in the wash subsequently concerns around the way that uh, the FAA worked with Boeing to certificate the aircraft and the fact that uh, the FAA was so reticent to ground it in the first place. So the, the harmony, the reciprocal arrangements that we've taken for granted for many years at the moment are uh, all in question. And uh, and I also they um, have sort of I guess taken um, a lead or, or trying to bring stuff together. They there was a summit I think two weeks or so ago with uh, the various um, IATA uh, Max operators, and there's another one scheduled for five to seven weeks I think. Exactly. Yes, they've had one. There's a second one coming soon. I think it's they're hoping to do it before the end of June. Um, they're not saying a lot about what went on in those meetings. What they are saying absolutely is it's not about compensation. So there's, there's not going to be a, um, a group of airlines knocking on Boeing's door asking for lots of money um, via IATA. Mm. They'll maybe, they'll, I'm sure, do that in, individually. So this is really about working together um, with one voice. And it's really important that they do that because up till now, that hasn't been the case in any sense across the uh, authorities and across the operators. So they're trying to just kind of tie all the loose ends together 
whilst the aircraft's on the ground so they're ready for it to be returned to flight. And uh, IATA, um, I'm going to guess um, Southwest isn't an IATA member and the biggest operator, but we did see um, some comments from, from some of the 737X operators, particularly Ethiopian. Yes, well, Ethiopian CEO was there, obviously very badly affected by the accidents and tragically affected by the accident. And uh, we spoke to uh, to Waldi Gebramariam at the event, and he explained to uh, to, to airline business how uh, they were going to be the last to go back. Understandably, they will not put the aeroplane back into service until everyone else has has put it in the air and have proved it can fly safely. There's lots of talk of some of the the high-profile operators like American and United saying, oh, you know, the CEO saying, I'll fly on the aircraft with my family to show that it's safe. Uh, but clearly Ethiopian will not fly the aeroplane until everybody else has put the aircraft back into service. And that's an understandable position, I think. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what the Chinese carrier approaches as well. I, I guess the Chinese carriers are one of the first to, um, to ground those aircraft as well. Um, and that's set against slightly interesting um, trade relations at the moment. It's a great point because the Chinese carriers um, are very much bought into this program. They're a big operator of the MAX and they across across the um, the geographic spread that they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest. And they have a joint venture with Boeing. They, they have a completion centre on the 737 MAX, which uh, obviously was just getting up and running when the uh, grounding happened. So the uh, the nation is bought into the programme as well as the operators. But there's also the political aspects playing out. Uh, there's the, the whole trade dispute at the moment, um, whether the certification uh, withdrawal or the approval was made, decision was made on purely on safety grounds or whether there's some politics at play there. We, won't, we don't really know. We can speculate, but we don't know for sure. But... Absolutely. When the aircraft is deemed safe to fly by the FAA, you can guarantee that the Chinese authorities will be doing their own homework before they decide that the aircraft is ready to go back into the air. And Boeing had, uh, quite understandably, quite a, a low profile at uh, the IATA AGM. Um, I, we have the Paris Air Show coming up next week, uh, You know, the biggest um, show of the year for the uh, aircraft industry. Um, all eyes are going to be on Boeing at that event, I guess, aren't they? I think all eyes are going to be on Boeing, and uh, Boeing are going to be hiding f- f- from cover, I think, because they uh, they will will not want to talk about this. Understandably, you know, they don't really have any answers at the moment because the um, they've done what they need to do at this stage. The FAA are, are validating the uh, upgrades. Uh, as we as we've explained there's there's the issue now with all the other authorities and obviously they won't have any product there to talk about because the aircraft's grounded it's their big program it's their single biggest program in terms of output and production it's up there competing with the airbus a320 neo family i'm sure airbus will be uh looking forward to their uh, their home air show and announcing lots of orders and boeing really uh, effectively going to have to be sitting on the um, on the bench at this stage it's yeah it's a very yeah it's a very strange environment for them because it not only affects um uh, the max program but i mean there is then kind of a wider issue for boeing as to how much it um talks about other product lines how much it um maybe makes announcements there are a couple of other of their programs that we might expect them to be talking about uh, under normal circumstances yes yeah, so i would be surprised if they don't talk about the other programs they you know the the max issue is a big one but it's it can't blight their whole commercial product line there they'll probably have some orders to announce um for their wide body aircraft the the dreamliner and the triple seven x and maybe even the uh 
the classic 777 that's coming coming to the end of its production life. The other, the other interesting story is that the uh, the 777X, the, the 9, which is the first version, is due to fly imminently, um, we think just after Paris. So they will probably want to talk about that. And that's obviously a big program. It's quite successful. It's it's a big competitor with the Airbus wide-body product line. So I think they'll be keen to talk that up. But obviously they'll have to um, uh, kind of balance that with the, um, the, the fact they don't want to be really in the front line when it comes to questions on the MAX. And... People who might prefer to be in the front line home air show for Airbus, I suspect they'll be pretty active. We we think we'll see some big orders from Airbus and possibly even a programme launch. Uh, the big orders really likely to come across their product line. They have a number of commitments that we know they've announced publicly over the last six months or so, which we think will be firmed up, one of them being Emirates for uh, A330neos and A350s. But the uh, the big story we expect will be well, it'll be a big story, whichever ha- happens. If they don't launch the A321 XLR, that will be a big story. More likely is um, that they will launch the the aircraft. We don't know exactly what it is. We um, officially, anyway, we uh, we know it's a, an extended range version of the um, very successful A321 LR, which is the re-engined A321. So it's a, a narrow body, 180 to 240 seat aircraft. Um, it's Boeing. It's Airbus's way of spoiling the um, the Boeing intention to create an all new aeroplane in that segment called the NMA, the new mid market airplane. And uh, we'll just see how successful they've been uh, over the next couple of weeks at the air show. And we saw at IAS and Willie Walsh talking about interest from uh, IAG and uh, the one or two other carriers, uh, Jetstar, I think, um, were amongst those airlines at, at the uh, AGM who were who were showing interest in that in that aircraft. There's people interested in both the uh, NMA, the Boeing product, which is all new, and in the XLR. Uh, what we don't know at this stage is if, they, if they're going to back both horses or if the, the commitments that we'll see come out, out over the next uh, weeks and then maybe months would actually be enough to um, cause Boeing to rethink the NMA. It's a kind of a spoiler, in a way, from Airbus to disrupt the, um, the plans for the NMA, uh, which have already been probably disrupted by the distraction of the MAX problem as well. But we, um, we we wait and see. There's probably some interesting airlines in the mix for both aircraft. Uh, whether they um, have the appetite to, to order both, we'll, we'll have to see. We will wait and see, and we won't have long to wait. The Paris Air Show kicks off for us <laughs> yeah, remarkably soon, and um, you can follow all the uh, news at uh, flightglobal.com. For more information on airline business, including your subscription options, go to flightglobal.com forward slash airline business. So that's all for this time. You can find links to the stories we have referenced, including all our coverage from Seoul, in the podcast notes. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and can spare the time, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. We'll be back again next month, but before then, we may be making... Um, some appearances in the next week or so from the well, Paris Air Show. That's the plan, yes. We don't want to promise too much because we're not even sure what, what exactly what we're going to be doing for this. But the idea is we're aiming to publish Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from Paris Air Show, a kind of daily podcast where, I mean, airline business is um, kind of view on on paris is is a bit limited because it's very much obviously metal focused but what we'll be trying to do with the podcast is focus in on um some kind of specifically airline related stories but also kind of trying to give you a flavor of what it's like to be at and cover the show so um it won't be kind of um you know focusing too much on on the uh you know interviewing industry figures whatever it's kind of going to be trying to give you the Sights, sounds, and well, Sight, maybe sounds, the sounds. Well, we don't quite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we don't. We're not quite sure, and it will be. Yeah. Um, 
uh, rather than in our, uh, in our lavish studios here, we'll, we'll be doing the, it'll be on the road, so um, yeah. the audio quality may be. Um, <laughs> uh, We're not selling this very well. Yeah, <laughs> well, hopefully it's going to yeah. be interesting. We think it'll be interesting, and we'll yeah. see. And if it is, if we think it's interesting, we will pop it on the um, on the podcast, and it'll be up there uh, and it'll populate on the um, first one. Should be up on uh, on the Monday, Monday evening, hopefully. Mm everything goes according to plan so that's an even even better reason to subscribe to the podcast because it will come into your inbox um immediately um in the meantime you can stay up to date on uh, breaking airline news stories at flightglobal.com and we'll see you next time <laughs>